Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. It's the end of the week. I'm your host, Ralph Malbro. Uh As always, we are joined by Kevin Health, who drops the ball. Our fearless leader... Dave Cariello is MIA. Uh, he may or may not be joining us. Um, we'll see. Uh, Kevin, uh, Saints play Dallas week, and before we get into the whole Sean Payton to Dallas uh, bullshit situation, if that's going to happen, if not, um, your thoughts quickly on the Saints just decimating Tampa in every which way, uh, 41 to nothing. Uh, basically, my my feeling is it's been uh, it's been said roughly everywhere else uh, in in a few different ways by by quite a number of lucid people. Uh, yourself, Wang, Juge, Dave. I mean, it's like yeah, you know, it it, it would have helped them uh, in the draft have lost but to hell with it like they it needed fun. to have a they needed to have a good win it was fun as hell to see and they haven't shut out anybody in the dome in in a long time and so for them to do that to a division rival yeah a team that's a team that's been going down the shitter but so what you still have to shut them out and not only did the you know not only did Drew Brees do everything that he's you know been expected to do for ever in a day, essentially, but the defense defense played their best game of the season. Yeah, I mean, and it, it like I said on the podcast with Andrew earlier in the week, it was a fun, it was a fun day, it was great, and look, uh, you know, the Saints, the fan base, we just needed a fun day. I mean, they had, they, they've, they've won games this year, obviously, and they, you know, they kind of, they kind of pistol whipped the Raiders, but the Tampa game, it was like within 10 minutes, you were like, they're going to just beat Tampa something fierce today. And you knew it. And you knew, I knew like 10 minutes in, I was like, Tampa's not winning the game. You didn't think they were going to get shut out. They were to shut them out, obviously, but you could see that the Saints were just moving the ball, um, at will. And, um, it was fun. The dome, the dome had fun, you know, and I, I just, I, I think it proved to me that the saints, they still have the talent. It's just, you know, when they face adversity, they don't have Sean Payton. And that's why he gets paid the, the eight to $10 million a year is to deal with the adversity when it hits on the sideline. And, 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 you know, that's what, that's where coaches make their money, you know, and I know we always joke about Herm, you know, Herm Edwards being kind of a clown on ESPN, but I was listening to him on a mic and Mike, Kevin, and he had said, you know, the thing with a coach is your job is not just to coach the players, it's to coach the coaches. And he said, you would be amazed at how chaotic a sideline will get when things start to go bad. And it's the coach's job to keep it together or right the ship. And you, and, and he says, you don't, Really, 
as a coach, you don't really do it a lot of times directly talking to the players. You do it to the assistants and tell the assistants what to do to their position. And I just think Sean Payton's a master at that. And when the shit's gone wrong on the road, Kevin, they just fall apart. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's being, you know, I guess it just comes down to like being a leader. It doesn't mean that you're constantly micromanaging and that you're you're always having to get your hands dirty. It just means that you know it's like you can get your hands dirty and sometimes you do, but you're wise enough to be like, okay, this guy below me needs to handle this, and I'm delegating because I'll go worry about this other thing, and you know. Yeah, and I th- I think I think today uh... like your standard your standard office your standard office hierarchy, and except you know the job requires like what 70 hours 80 hours of preparation a <laughs> yeah, week exactly well it could it might not require that coaches just might be lunatics and put that time in uh but you know i, I today i tweeted just for just for fun i was on youtube and i i re i watched the 10 minute part of uh, america's game where the saints they uh they were in the playoff. It was the part from like the Tampa game in 2009 all the way to when they beat Minnesota. And the thing, it stuck out, you know, Sean Payton, he's getting on coaches. He's getting on Hartley for his body language after he missed the field goal. He's basically chewing his ass out about sulking. And I think that's a, you know, that's a, a big point that Sean Payton is always talking about to Drew Brees especially. And I think Drew Brees' body language at times, Kevin, this year has been terrible. And it's just one of those little minor things that we don't necessarily think about that Sean Payton is always just harping on, harping on, harping on, and it, it matters. You know, these little things that these little things really, really matter in the big picture of football. Yeah, and you know, you you bring up him chewing Garrett Hartley out, and then you know, I mean, we've I, I remember this film, and then pumping him up, though. yeah. Right, and then pumping him up right before the the field goal in the uh, the the, cha- the NFC Championship game, like telling him, you know, you belong here. This is your, you've earned the right to to be the guy to do this and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I mean that's the that's that's what a leader does, and I I guess it's just like you you can you criticize them, but then at the same time you got to fire them up and use the same kind of tone, same kind of language, and and the the person knows. Like okay, this guy, this guy's a not BSing me, and B is going to call me out, but isn't going to completely run me down. But is going to you know get on me and give me a, a kick to the ass when I need it. So yeah, yeah, and but which brings us to the next point: the Saints face Dallas. Um, Sean Payton is you know soon to be ex-wife is in Dallas with his kids, so it's a natural connection. Um, so my feeling is that. The way 2012 has gone, Kevin, with all the – I mean, if this, the 2012 for the Saints is known for anything, it's chaos. It's just one breaking news fucking story after another. Hell, ESPN for a while had the Saints as a category on the ticker you know, in the spring because every day it was something new. So part of me thinks that you know, if the Saints lose to Dallas, Dallas is in really good shape to make the playoffs. Dallas makes the playoffs. Jason Garrett wins a playoff game maybe, and then he's – really secure for 2013. Part of me thinks that's not going to happen. 
He's got to lose. He's got to miss the playoffs. And we got to deal with like a month or five or six weeks of Sean Payton's going to Dallas. No, he's going to uh, Detroit. No, he's going to wherever. Oh, he's going. He's going to coach the uh, the Albuquerque Aztecs from any given Sunday, and it's just going to be chaos. And Twitter's going to give us a heart attack. Um, where do you think? I tend to get in Sunday reference, by the way. I know you like that. Um, I had <laughs> yeah. to actually. I put. I put that in my column. I had to. I had to. Uh, I had to. I had to Google it to make sure that I got the name right because I didn't want like people will never give. I don't get too many emails. Hey, great job! But if I make if I make one little like grammar fuck up or reference screw up, I get like twenty emails about how I, I screwed it up. So I had to. I had to Google it to make sure I got it. I thought it was the New Mexico Aztec. It's not. It's the Albuquerque Aztecs. Um, well, I, I, but I, I admire you for not for not taking the 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 layup and going with the the Miami Sharks. No, no, I, I, I whatever I, the hell name that was. The, it was the Miami. It was the Miami Sharks, and it's the Pantheon Cup. Shows you how much how many times I've watched any given Sunday. Um, wow, you should be commended for You should be commended for knowing that much about any given Sunday. I've literally only seen any given Sunday. Once, and I've seen the Al Pacino speech probably ten times. I love, I, I, I love, I love the Al Pacino speech. I love the Lawrence Taylor speech. Uh, Any given Sunday is just tremendous in parts of it, and it's totally cartoon in the other part where they have the guy's eye that they scoop up off. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I, I, it's, it's tremendous in every way. uh, I think, and, and one of my favorites, but as far as sports movies, but, um, Sean Payton. To Dallas, I know I hear from the, the like the one or two Saints sources that I have left that are legitimate. They're like, look, anybody in that building who's anybody knows that he's not going anywhere. But I've heard that before from people too about a r- wide range of things, and you never know. What is your sense of how the Sean Payton uh, contract situation is going to go? And I'm talking about – not just will he resign with the Saints? Will he go somewhere else? But how is it gonna? Is it gonna be rocky? Is it gonna be Drew Brees drawn out? How do you expect it to go? Well, okay. So I tried contacting my guy who knows a guy. My guy who knows a guy was like, "Man, I don't know a damn thing about what's going on that close behind the scenes because you know it's it's it's." It's still a very tight ship, and it's probably going to be even even tighter now that you know this whole bounty nonsense occurred, and you know I'm sure there'll be like loyalty oaths and people getting branded uh, if uh, if Peyton comes back. But my own personal belief, opinion, feeling on the matter is I, I think he's coming back, uh, and he, you know like earlier in the week we heard everything about oh he's going to examine his options like yeah of course he's going to examine his options that's what you do that's what you say is going to look to just try and get a nice deal out of the Saints and they'll 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 come to a deal and look if the Saints turn around and say well we're going to go after Goodell that probably helps their negotiations in a sense with with Peyton because why would Peyton want to go to another team that isn't going to fight like the Saints would. I mean, the, the Saints have the Saints have just as much uh, baggage in this as as Peyton does. Yeah, I think the I one mean, thing it's, it's, I, I, I don't know. It's just kind of how I view it. And 
I'm not going to sweat him leaving for anywhere. Uh, I sure as hell don't see him going to Dallas, even if Jason Garrett gets run immediately. Uh, I, I mean, look, I I could be totally off. He could, he could very well be the coach next year, but until he shows up at a press conference and puts that obnoxious-looking star on his uh, head, uh, I'm just going to be uh, sunshine and lollipops until then. And then if that happens, then then he goes on the list. Well, I think the list. The, the one thing that, that, that interests me about the contract negotiation and the, the same sources I have, they're – they're they're not they're not that high up. They just talk to people who talk to people who talk to people. So, um, you know, I'm, I don't I don't ha- I never have any big cheeses. But the the interesting thing that I'd like to get at it and and um, the Saints win blog, uh, Eric he he uh, he got at this, which was interesting. You know, Kevin, we know that look, Goodell voided the contract, but that contract was done a long time ago. So. How long did it take the NFL to void it? When did they tell the Saints? Because it seems to me like if the Saints, if the NFL went back to the Saints and they said, look, this, you know, a couple of weeks after they submitted it and they said, hey, look, this contract's no good, I don't understand why the Saints would have known that and waited so long to get the contract done. Because even if. You know, they didn't have even if let's say they didn't have any they didn't have any expectation when when Sean Payton signed the deal that all the bounty stuff was going to come down the pike. I would think just Sean Payton, if he signed the contract and then two weeks later the NFL would have said, "Hey, the, the contract's void." I would think at that point Sean Payton would have been like, "Look, okay, they voided it. We got to rework it, but I want my freaking contract done." You know. Um, so there's a lot of like unanswered questions about the contract situation that are just that aren't like opinion based, just fact based. Hey, when did they? When did the NFL void it? Um, why did it take so long? When did the Saints find out? And the one thing that that my Saints source did tell me was that Benson is pissed off royally about the Sean Payton contract situation and the league. And to me. In my time covering the Saints, Kevin, that makes perfect sense because when I covered it under Buddy D and Kenny Wilson, look, I know it's going on seven, eight years ago, but the one thing about Benson is, is he is a he's worth a billion dollars. He's a ruthless, he's a ruthless old cranky bastard, and he knows how to make money. He knows how to keep money, and if you fuck with his money, he gets mad. And to me, if he sees Sean Payton might leave or there's a possibility to leave his first instinct is going to be i've had seven years of sellouts i got sweet soul i got everything i've ever wanted the saints to be i'm maximizing revenues out the wazoo and it's directly related to that guy on the sideline and the nfl's trying to fuck it up i'm going to the mattresses yeah i mean i mean his entire his entire, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, his entire legacy has essentially been a rewrite since 2006. I mean, he was. I mean, if you'd have told people, if you'd have told people, I have, and and I'm completely ripping off a joke uh, told in Brooklyn in the 1960s, I believe. Uh, maybe the 50s. Uh, if you'd have had a room 
with uh, Tom Benson, uh, Saddam Hussein, <laughs> and I, I don't know, pick, pick some other jackass that was alive in, in 2005. Gaddafi. Uh, and who? Gaddafi. And Gaddafi, yeah, there you go. If you got a room with Benson, Gaddafi, and Hussein in it, and you get a gun with two bullets, uh, people in the in the GNO, they're going to shoot Tom Benson twice. <laughs> I mean, that's I mean that was that was his legacy in two thousand. That was Tom Benson's story in two thousand five. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, shit, his rewrite. His rewrite went even faster than than that. It was oh nine. I mean, when they handed him the ha- the uh, the Hallis Trophy, he was cheered. You know, I mean, he 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 borderline beloved. He bought the fucking Hornets. Right. I mean, and he he's bought got the Hornets, and everybody, and not only, I mean, everybody was one hundred percent behind it. Yeah. I, I I mean that, that that's what blew like it just like that how does something like that happen? Well, uh, you you get you find uh, a gem uh, of a coach in Sean Payton. You get a quarterback uh, essentially off the junk pile who turns out to still operate as as good as he did, and in fact. Uh, got better and it, it 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 changes everything it changed everything so yeah i absolutely agree that his leg you know the, the yeah the money's being messed with but he's old like he's i i mean he's older than jerry jones and these other guys yeah isn't he so and well and, and well and also the other thing he's he's not Jerry Jones crazy like Jerry Jones is like rich beyond I think Jerry Jones is richer than Tom Benson but Jerry Jones is like obnoxious obnoxious and obnoxiously wealthy yeah well the thing the thing about and, yeah and uh, and, and, and I, I just sort of look at it like it's a mortality thing like I've been saying it's a mortality thing since '09 yeah like nobody wants to die. With a shitty legacy, yeah. No matter how selfish you are, you need. It's like everybody wants to do something for someone before they fucking before they croak. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Yeah, and look, and that, no, and that's true. And, and he, and I think, I think you're exactly right. I think a big part of the buying the Hornets was maybe people told him, "Hey, Tom, this may or may not make money. I don't know." And I think Tom, a part of the Hornets, he was like, "You know what? I'm eighty something years old. Fuck it. I'm gonna buy the Hornets." And they'll be here when I'm dead in maybe five or ten years or whatever. And you know what? My legacy will be I bought the Hornets. If it doesn't work out and they leave or whatever, they won't say Tom Benson screwed it because I'll be in the grave. My legacy will be he bought the Saints, he won a Super Bowl, and he bought the Hornets and tried to keep them in New Orleans. You know. Um, but the one thing that's, that's interesting about Benson is, is he really ha- – besides maybe the legacy part, he really hasn't changed that much. He's still – a ruthless son of a bitch. And the funny thing is, Kevin, if he fights with the NFL and goes to the matches over Sean Payton, which I think he will if it doesn't work out, that Sean, you know, people will love him for it in New Orleans. He'll become even more beloved. And the funny thing was, he he, he won't have changed a bit. He'll still be the same old greedy, uh, old rich guy that he always was, but he'll be fighting with the NFL and we'll love him for it. 
right. All it takes, you know, he'll be like Jat Al Davis. The character, yeah, the, the characters stay, uh, stay the same. You just change the situation and the direction of the uh, and the direction of the narrative. Yeah. It, the, the you know the, the interesting thing about um, the whole thing with uh, the bounties and such you know is in your opinion why you know because we found out Cir- Mike Cirillo is is you know maybe he's a little unstable and he you know he's the Saints maybe. kind of, maybe the Saints kind of paint him as a quack but that's to the Saints I mean that's to the Saints advantage to say that the number one witness is 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 you know is in cuckoo town. I mean, that's every, every trial, every court case in the history of man. They always try to paint the star witnesses as out of bounds. But my question is, is why didn't the local media or the national, why didn't anybody dig deeper into this and try to make a name for themselves? Me and Andrew on the podcast earlier really couldn't get an answer. And and I'm just, I, I'm really I'm not I don't have a, I don't have a pre canned answer once you finish responding. Well no, but I mean you, me and Dave, we talked about this the last time. Why why didn't a local person like a local person on like our level in the illegitimate media, why didn't they jump up and try and like <clears throat> research something like it was the Pelican brief? I mean, I don't know how much access any of us could have gotten, but and I'm probably shooting it down too low, you know, maybe somebody in the Picayune or the NOLA Media Group or wherever the hell they go by, maybe some underling who just gathers notes, maybe somebody at one of the TV stations that's, you know, either just a uh, an associate producer for one of the stations or somebody dying, trying to uh, break something, get their get their name out there and hopefully use that to make a tape and get a job elsewhere. I mean, the, 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 the ambition, it, the, the ambition is there for people. It's just, you know, it's just every, I think a lot of people, the, the ambitious people probably just got blindsided by everything. Probably didn't know what to do. Probably didn't know where to start. And, you know, the big, the big names, both nationally and locally, didn't ask anything. Didn't even give any sort of, Hint of resistance. I mean, you know, if 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 you're if you're trying to be all uh, Jimmy Stewart in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, but then you turn around and you see everybody else, the the people that are from your state, so to speak, acting a certain way and doing things in a particular way, you're gonna be like, well, I guess, I mean, I guess this is you know, I guess this is what the up and up is. So why am I gonna? Why am I going to go waste time or make an ass out of myself? And, you, you know, you, you said it earlier. You were asking earlier the questions about the timeline. Uh, I, I w- wanted to jump, uh, cut you off then and just say, yeah, boy, if only there was a uh, journalist that wanted to actually dig into the timeline and ask Adele when he, when and he and his infinite wisdom decided to uh, void the contract and what you know? What was that whole process like? Because yeah, that's an important question. Did because if he did it too early, then why were the Saints and Peyton hiding it? If he did it too late, then then the narrative is uh, remains Goodell uh, using his power to just try and like royally f over a franchise because he felt that they lied to him. 
which the more I think about it, Kevin, that's 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 the that's the bounty in a nutshell to me. And and I know if if you know if, if we had Peter King or whoever, they would be all sanctimonious and say Roger Goodell isn't like that and blah blah blah. But that's human nature. That's throughout history. People do things because of being personally slighted. And I think that a lot of times in life, the simplest explanation is the easiest one. And that's what I think. I think a, lo- a large part of it is that because there's no, there was no other, there's no other reasonable explanation because this is dragged out far longer than it had to. I mean, he could have said, Sean Payton, you lied to me, $500,000 fine, two-game suspension, Vilma, four, you know, and it could have been wrapped up. But he had to go nuclear, and I think it's because it was personal. Yep. So let's get let's get to on-the-field stuff. Uh, we got two games left. Uh, you know, it's we, we've said it, you know, it's basically preseason, but – with two games left, left, I feel like you can you can make judgments on the Saints uh, on field stuff. Now I know it becomes difficult because Peyton's gone. So you know what's what was his what was what was what failed because Peyton wasn't around, and what failed just because it failed. So as you look back at the 2012 season, what position, um, not Drew Brees related, not quarterback, what position disappointed you the most? position disappointed me the most. I think you'd have to go with wide receiver. Well, interesting choice. Because, Ex- explain. Well, I, I mean, even during the Tampa game, you know, I was fortunate enough to be in town so I didn't have to, like, worry about going to a bar to find, uh, like, a direct TV broadcast of it. Uh, so I was able to just, like, sit in the living room and just watch the game in comfort. Uh, so, Announcers were say, saying, even during the game, that, you know, this guy was dropping a pass, this guy was dropping a pass, oh, this is like the – I, I – hopefully somebody will correct me if I'm wrong here, but it sounded like they said that the Saints had dropped something like 40 passes. It is. It's, it's, during it's, the season, and they were, you know, they were like in the top five. They, they've been they, – I, I think they're number two right now, but they've been in the top three all year long. Pat Yazinski okay. for BSPN well, tracks it. Well, it, okay, so so there you go. So Dave, you know, and I, I'm, hell, I'm including Jimmy Graham with that because his entire season has just been consistently inconsistent. Yeah. I mean, even in the Tampa game, it's just there were there were drops, and then you know he'd make like a he'd make like a great catch, and you know he'd show you like the the flashes of of last year, and then again, you know, a drop or some ridiculous move but I think on the whole the wide receivers kind of kind of uh, dropped the ball sadly no pun intended but that was that's the thing that stands out for me I, I, I think it's too easy it's too easy to say something about the defense because you know at the beginning of the season and even midway through we were looking at the historic you know historically the worst defense in history, 
and for some reason, like, a, the switch got hit, and they've turned it around, and it looks like hopefully they won't have that dubious distinction. But, I mean, what – but as far as what is – and I agree with you, but the, the, the defense, what on the defense – has been, I mean, it, granted, it was stunningly bad earlier in the year, but what, if you break down the positions, what of the positions has done something so horrendous that you were stunned by? I mean, Malcolm Jenkins and Roman Harper, we, Exhibit A, the playoff game last year, you knew at times they could be awful. Um, the defensive line hasn't really generated much of a pass rush, The front, just the front four since 2009 when Will Smith had double-digit sacks. So you can't say that's really a shock, that that's disappointing. The linebackers, you could say, was disappointing because we didn't really get it. I could say you didn't really get a true evaluation of it. Curtis Lofton was everything the Saints had hoped for, but Hawthorne got injured. Chamberlain blew out his knee in the preseason. So this, you, you could say, well, it's disappointing in the, in the fact that we didn't really get a true sense of how good – it could have been, you know. Um, so that would – I mean, the, the linebackers would be my choice, which it's a combination of performance and injuries. But, I mean, Kevin, all off season when we, when we weren't talking about bounties, we were talking about, oh, my God, they upgraded the linebackers. They're going to be good. It's, this is going to be fantastic. And Curtis Lofton delivered, but Hawthorne and Chamberlain didn't because of injuries. And I think, I think to me, that's the most – disappointing thing now the disappointment you know, nothing you could do about it but disappointment is disappointment yeah agreed you know and the thing is me and me and dave talked i mean me, me and me and uh, andrew talked about it um you know the safeties looked caduce and um and reginald bush Oh, Raphael Bush, sorry, looked really good against Tampa, and um, you know, uh, Andrew said they've got to put two, they've got to put uh, good games, two more good games back to back before he will say, hey, uh, I'm willing to go into 2013 with this group and sort of let it sort itself out, and the Saints don't need to add anybody. Um, even if they play well these last two games, are you still thinking to yourself, hey, they got to go out and add somebody at safety? Or are you fine with saying, hey, Jenkins, Harper, Bush, and Caduce, um, just the, we'll, let, we'll just go with them tw- for 2013 and, and it'll sort itself out, the best will play? Or do the Saints need to add somebody, you think? I think the Saints need to add somebody. <clears throat> I, 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 I've, been, I've been feeling that way the whole season. I mean, uh, I'm, Unless in the last two seasons, I mean, unless in the last two games, uh, Caduce and, and Bush suddenly turn into, suddenly look like uh, Champ Bailey or something. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm still saying they need to go. The, the Saints need to focus on the secondary, uh, and you, you know, add somebody. Uh, if if they play okay, I would still, I, I would probably. You could probably talk me into saying they have a greater need elsewhere, but I still think the secondary is something they either have to look at in the draft, uh, maybe the second round. But like, if you, I, I think if you convince me that they need to focus on the defensive line to get like a pure pass rusher or something, I could be talked into going that route 
and then maybe go secondary in the second or third round. Somebody that could start, somebody that could put pressure on the guys already on the roster. Yeah, I mean, speaking of offseason, you know, if Goodell, you know, he did mention, look, he will revisit the second round pick and you know, I'm, I'm, I think it's at least a 50-50 shot that they get it back. But if they don't get it back, and they only have that first round pick, boy, Kevin, that puts a lot of pressure on them because then you have a first round pick and you don't pick again until the third round. So you've really, really got to nail that first round pick because you, you know, you can't say. Whereas if you have that second round pick, the Saints can say, "Hey, look, they got a defensive lineman." and a really highly rated offensive tackle that we didn't think was going to be there. Um, you know, usually the Saints would say, hey, we go by our board, we're picking the, the, the higher rated guy, the offensive tackle, and when we come back in the second round, we'll figure out on defense. But, man, if you don't have that second round pick, then you're almost – It make, to me, it, the thing that worries me about not having the second round pick is that it almost makes it more likely for the Saints to make a bad decision because they're saying – yeah, this player is rated more highly, but God, we need a pass rusher, and we know he's rated—he he, he's only rated as like a late first-round pick, but we don't have a second-round pick, so we got to reach to get him, and that's what worries me about not having the second-round pick. Well, I, I uh, my question—I—I I, I guess I just have a—I have a question that could the Saints. You know, like uh, assuming Goodell doesn't give the second round pick back, could the Saints trade the first round pick to drop down into the second round and pick up another pick? Sure, sure they could. Okay, because I, I, I mean, part of it, like I'm, I'm one of those you know stockpile picks kind of guys, and actually use them. Don't don't keep trading them away like you know the damn Patriots has done, but. Uh, you know, if if you can, if if trading down is is an option, and you know, if you're looking at if you're looking at somebody on the defensive side of the ball, and you're seeing that there's just been this huge run on offensive players, like a specific position, and you're like, well, we really don't want to have to do that, and the best player we've got on our board is, you know, maybe like a wideout or something. I I don't know. I'm I'm yeah. playing straw man for myself here, but. You know, why not trade down and get and get something else out of it? Well, if you trade down, though, I mean, it's not be me being devil's advocate, but if you know, let's say the Saints or you know, let's say the Saints split their last two games, so that makes them seven and nine. You know, you're looking at picking fifteen. Let's say if you want to get two second round picks, you're going to have to trade down. Probably to like 31 or 32 in the, you know, or to get just a second round pick, you're going to probably have to trade down to the low 20s at the highest to get that second round pick. You're not going to be, you're not going to be able to slide from like 15 to 20 or 22 and get a second round pick. You're going to have to go way to the bottom of the first round. And would you be okay with that? There's talent at, there's talent at the end of the first round. Yeah. I mean, in, uh, I mean, when there was only 30, if I remember right, when there was only 30 teams in the draft, Drew Brees was drafted at the top of the second round, so technically he would have been at the end of the first if there was a 32-team league at the yeah. time. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you can you can spot guys that were taken 
fairly late in, in the draft in, in the opening round and that have done well. Obviously, I'm an idiot, and I don't do my homework for anything, so I can't just spout names off the top of my head. But, you know, the smarter folk or, you know, a guy like Wang who loves looking things up to really hammer his point home uh, can prove that right. I mean, take and, – and it doesn't even – it doesn't even necessarily have to be two second rounders. It could be a second and a third, or maybe it could be something where it's like, okay, this – it's like – and I, God, I'm turning into sports radio phone call guy. <laughs> uh, the only thing that's missing is, oh, hang up and listen. Um, you know, maybe you work at a situation where it's like, all right, I'll get a second and a, a, a later, way late, late round pick, and then something for the following year. I don't know. And, and I'm, I only say that because of the way that the boards are uh, the conversion charts are realigned or, or done up now now that the now that the money is far more reasonable for players or for teams to, to work with. I mean the look at the deal that the Rams and the, I mean look at the deal that the Rams and the Redskins did for the Ram, for the Redskins just to move up like one or two spots I think it was one or two spots in the in the last draft just to get R G three and they gave over a boatload of picks. Yeah, I mean, well, it worked out for them now, but I think long term, it's it's you know, the the, the Rams are going to have a lot more of a uh, stable base. I mean, I I love the I love that trade for both teams, just because. I mean, well, it, and I I think you're absolutely right, and I think you know it used to be teams were teams said you know what I'm not going to trade into the top ten because I really like this player, but he's a corner, and I don't want to pay a, a rookie corner $45 million, you know? Whereas now, I think it's sort of – it's the, 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 the wage scale, Kevin, I think, as far as the draft, it sort of liberates teams. Whereas if you were picking – you know, if you were picking five and you were like, I want to pick uh, Patrick Peterson, you know, uh, you'd be like, God, you can't pick a corner five because you got to guarantee him Thirty million, and he's a rookie. You don't only want to do that for for quarterbacks and receivers, and, and or defensive end. But now it's just like he's making four years. He's going to make four years, twenty million. He's the best player. We're picking him at six, and he's a tight end. We don't give a shit. And I think that right. liber- I think that liberates teams, and it also sort of frees teams to say, like Dallas did last year. They're like, we want Mo Claiborne. We're moving up to seven to get him, and. They they just do it, and I think, like you said, that could really that could really help the Saints because you'll be you know they'll be picking at fourteen fifteen. You could have a team say, hey, you know what that whatever a quarter NC State quarterback that uh, that's supposedly hot or whoever they say, you know what we want him. We're moving up Saints. Here's pick thirty, and we'll give you a second round pick, and they just do it because they're not worried about the guaranteed money. Yeah. I- I, I I just bored. Yeah, I've been nodding my head. <laughs> You're nodding I, I'm like, uh huh. Yeah. We need, yeah. We need we need, yeah. con- we need we need we need controversy, but I think we're just kind of we're, you know, I think this this year, Kevin, it's just it it's been it's been exa- it's been exhausting, and to me, it's been the most frustrating Saints year, probably since I want to say I forget the year, but it was the year that the Saints 
2002. It was the year they were nine and four, and they collapsed the last month of Jim Hazlitt, where you could like feel the, the collapse coming, even though they win it. It was like this very frustrating year, and they barely missed out on the plates. To me, this year has been as frustrating as that, and even it's even more frustrating to me than the the Katrina year. You're just like it's fucking Katrina. It just you know it's done. Whatever you know, you don't even really. It didn't even really matter, but this year, t- to me, it, it's it's been so frustrating and exhausting because of the bounty stuff and because we feel like we had a prime year of Drew Brees yanked away from it, and it's the end. And, and kind of part of me just wants it. It's like, just get here and get over with. Yeah. <laughs> but again, again, I'm just nodding my head grimly. I'm just but like, yeah. That, that said, Kevin, and 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 – I think this theory will get you maybe fired up, but we'll see. Um, my theory is the Saints are going to win on Sunday. And look, the Saints are still mathematically alive, alive for the playoffs. And I know you're probably going, Ralph, it's not going to happen. It's insanity. But listen, I don't think the Saints are making the playoffs. But if they beat Dallas, all that has to happen for them to stay alive is – all okay. Okay, for one more week is – the Giants need to lose in Baltimore, which, granted, Baltimore's in a free fall, but so is the Giants. Uh, Minnesota needs to lose um, to Houston, in Houston. Uh, that's doable. And those are the 12 o'clock games. So th- those two things are very, very doable, I think. So you could have Minnesota lose, and you could have the Giants lose, and you could have the Saints win. And then, all Saints fans, we will be subjected to the torture that is the Arizona Cardinals because of the for the Saints to stay alive one more week the Bears would need to lose in Arizona and I just see all Saints fans watching the Arizona Cardinals play the Bears knowing that if Arizona wins the Saints are alive one more week and having to be subjected to rooting for Arizona who who literally does not have an NFL quality quarterback on their roster and will have to sit through three hours of that and that will be the final torture of 2012 for Saints fans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I can't I, – I, I really don't want to have to watch and pay attention to a game involving – like, it's one It's one thing to have to watch a game that Jay Cutler is, prominent, is prominently involved in. It's another to watch him involved against the Arizona Cardinals. Like, I, I – like it's just oh god. <laughs> You're like conflicted. You 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 would like right. the to still be you would like the Saints to still be alive because if they would win against Dallas and rooting against Minnesota and the Giants, you know, it's that's plausible. And you you know, you you hope against hope. You're like just just stay alive. If they're alive then it's possible and you want to hold on to the dream. But another part of you is like in order to hold on to the dream, I've got to watch Jay Cutler, sulky face versus the Arizona Cardinals who don't have a quarterback. And I have to right. suffer. And you know if Arizona some kind of way pulls off the win, it will be an agonizing three. It'll be like three hours at the dentist. Yeah, and, without the gas. Without. <laughs> um, but... Uh, let's get to the let's get let's get to this game, um, Kevin. 
part of me think I, I've said it. I think Dallas is going to win. I think the Saints are going to beat Dallas, and, and this game goes one of two ways. Either the Saints have another game like they did against Tampa, where nothing really goes wrong, so they have nice smooth sailing, and they don't really need when when everything goes right, they don't really need Sean Payton on the sideline. They did, like Tampa, nothing went wrong in that game. Everything was just nice smooth sailing. I think there's a potential for that to happen, or Tony Romo and Jason Garrett have serious derp, 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 and either Tony Romo does something horrible at the end of the game or Jason Garrett has a coaching clock gaff that is so horrendous, Jerry Jones fires him before he reaches midfield to shake hands with Joe Vitt. But either of those scenarios, the Saints are going to win. So I'm predicting 38-35 Saints. How do you see it going? Did I, I I can't remember. Uh, no, no, no. I picked. Did we do it? We did a pregame for uh, the Tampa game, didn't we? Yeah, we did. I think you picked Tampa. I don't remember. Did I pick Tampa? God. Maybe I should pick Dallas in that case. <laughs> I'm totally. I'm I'm totally gonna be that that jackass. Uh, I tell you what. I'll say. I'll say uh, Dallas 24, Saints 20. <laughs> and I, and it, it, look, if, if, if the game turn, goes the other way and it ends up being like Saints, Saints 30, Dallas 13, I'll happily call in and everybody can laugh. Uh, no, I haven't picked a Saints game right in a month in my column. Well, there you go. So... <laughs> But I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. That's I, I hate to do that and just say, oh, I'm, I, I'm picking, I'm picking against the Saints because I'm, I'm on a losing streak. Whenever I pick them, they lose. No, I just, I, the thing is in my columns, not that I'm some sort of purity or whatever, but I just, I, I try to pick, I try to pick the game, I try to pick the game as I think it's going to go, and I, I really think the Saints are going to win. So. Well, uh, since since I don't have a column in in uh, in in the legitimate media, I am not bound, honor bound to that sort of a uh, standard. So I will pick Dallas with the thought that let me see if this magic runs another week and it backfires. So I'll I'll pick Dallas to win by four. All right, Kevin. Um, and on that note, I guess we'll we'll wrap it up. We've only got a couple more weeks. Um. So for for Kevin, uh, for the MIA Dave, I'm Ralph Marlboro. Thanks for joining us, and uh, be safe. And hopefully the Saints' uh, mathematical playoff dreams will still be alive when we talk again next week. Fuck it, Lions! This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. 
I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.